So they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I've tried to stay as close as I can to the Word of God, but there's something for me in my own person, in my own experience, about the connection between the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God. I don't know if you pick that up about me, but this is my deep love and my deep passion. It is both the Word of God and the proclamation of the Word of God, and I've given most of my life to it. And so your invitation to be here and to preach, when I have not been able, well, not been afforded that gift for the last five years or so has been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming, and it's true um, as we hear this story about the Word of God for us from the Word of God in Nehemiah 8. You may not know this story, so let me tell it uh, a little more of it for you today. This moment where the people of God make their way back, they find their way back to their place, their home. And it's been a long time coming, and they assemble there. Did you notice it says, just outside the city, the walls having been rebuilt, and they're standing there facing the square adjacent right there to the water gate, which is um, important because the city has walls and it has gates, and this particular gate is near the access to water that flows into the city, and without water there's no life. Water that bubbles up from springs and that they channel and it flows into the city. They're standing there in this place before the water gate when Ezra comes out and he stands up on the platform that's been built before the people and they bring out the Word of God before the people and they all stand and they read the Word of God. It's been a long time coming. And when I say a long time coming, I don't mean, well, it was last Sunday and we waited until the next Sunday. It's been like 70 years of a long time coming to be separated from this place, from their life together, from their sense of God's presence in their midst. It's been a long time coming because 70 years ago, the city was under siege by the Babylonians, and Nebuchadnezzar marshaled his forces, the forces of Babylon, and they came in and they ravaged the city and they tore down the walls. And those that they didn't kill, they took into captivity and they took them away into Babylonia and they left a few stragglers behind. That was 70 years ago. And in this moment, the moment that we hear this morning read in Nehemiah 8, they've at last made their way back. There are some in that gathering, this 70 years later, who never knew that place. They were born in captivity. This is at least a couple of generations ago, right? when the lifespan was not as long. And maybe there were a few that were young. They remembered Jerusalem, the place of the people of God. This gathering where God was among God's people in God's own place. They remember that when they were a kid. Oh, I remember when I was a boy, those days. I remember it all. And, and now it's all coming back to them. It's been a long time coming. There's so much to take for granted until it's no longer there. It's like that for them. It all comes flooding back. I want you to know that um, 
In some ways, that's not been your experience or my experience, but in many places of the world it is. I was curious because I remembered stories that my friend, who also preaches in Sweetwater, Texas, told about his visit to refugee camps in other parts of the world. Did you know that the largest refugee camp in the world is in Africa? Actually, the top three to five largest refugee camps in the world are in Africa. And the largest one of those is about over 180,000 people. That's not a refugee camp. That's a city. That's like a bunch of Kerrvilles. It was established in 1992. It isn't temporary. These people who live there because they cannot live in the place that was their home. They are exiled. And the children who are raised there and the grandparents who tell the stories about when they used to be, where they used to be, and what life used to be like. And maybe in, in some sense, I, I, as I watched Hurricane uh, Ida proceed into the Gulf Coast and then into Louisiana, I remembered, man, this happened to them before. And I thought, well, it wasn't that long ago. Katrina. So I started to kind of look this up. And do you know when Katrina was? 2005. And that, that there were all these stories, I don't know if you saw any of them, about the people who were displaced from Katrina who've never made their way back. They've never been able to come back. For whatever reason, they haven't been able to come back. That's their home. But it's not their home. They're separated from their home. I think I told you, shared the story uh, a while back about um, the, when I was a boy, the tornado in our city in Wichita Falls. And remember that, some of you? And we had friends who lost everything. Their houses were destroyed, and they came and they lived with us, and we welcomed them in. I thought it was really cool because we were my buddies from school and their family, and it was like a permanent sleepover. They had no place, no home. It was cool for a while. So if you make your way back, I imagine those 180,000-plus refugees who are still today, you can look it up, in refugee camps, the moment at which they begin after 29 years, they're not quite the 70-year Babylonian exile, but they're well on their way, making their way back home again. Can you imagine what that might feel like? Can you imagine what that might be like? It's a long way back, and it's a long time coming. Ezra brings forth the law. He brings forth the Word of God in holy procession, and the people stand from morning, from daybreak, it says, until it's put away again at the end of the day. That's a long time to stand, church. He made us stand up for Scripture, and we stood up early. Prayer, we stood up. They stood the entire time. It's a holy moment. And I imagine the place falls utterly silent. It's not surprising to me that the only sound you can hear, other than the reading of the Word, across all of the people who are gathered there, are the sounds of those who begin to sob. Did you notice this? That they began to weep something deep within them welled up and begin to spring forth. In this moment, tears begin to creep out of the edges of eyes that have seen so much and shared too long, stared too long into a hopeless future. Tears that crawl across the crevices of wrinkled skin, weathered skin, and there are moments of sighs and groans as they remember, oh, if mama could have been here, she so longed for this day. Oh. If all those who've gone before us could have been here, there they are before the Word of God with all of the weeping and the joy intertwined together. And the Word of God is present and God Himself is with the people and they are home again. What I'm describing here is the, is the dynamic between exile, which is 
if nothing more, the simplest way to put it is separation, is the great breach, the break of all that you've known and all that you desire. It's separation from place. It's separation from people. It's separation from what gives one the most sense of identity and belonging. It's separation and then reunion and restoration. And that which makes this possible, which mediates this, is the presence of the Word of God. Nothing less than the presence of the Word of God. They have rebuilt the city walls that have been torn down. Ancient cities have walls. They have fortified the city, but they are not home yet. They have appointed some leaders and they have organized their common life because that's important. Some have begun, begun to settle in, others not yet, but they are not quite home yet. They share what they have. Oh, you need something? And they, they share it with each other. All of those things, but they are not quite home yet until the seventh month comes and they gather in the square before the water gate and the word of God is read and then they are home again. Exile, restoration, reunion, the word of God. Let me tell you, this is what we believe about the word of God. In the beginning, before time, before all things, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the way that the story of Scripture begins in the book of beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was mm, formless and empty. And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. The words in Hebrew for this formless, empty abyss hovering over the deep, the abyss, is hohu vabohu. It sounds different if the person who spoke Hebrew said it, but that's the word. And you know what it means? It means chaos. It means no order, the absence of order. Nothing holds together. This is how um, the story of Scripture begins, that there's this formless, empty void, and nothing holds together. And then it says the Spirit of God hovers over the surface of the deep. The word for spirit is the word ruach. Translated in your Bibles as spirit, wind, breath. The spirit, wind, breath of God hovers over the surface of the tohu vabohu, the chaos, the disconnectedness, the no-togetherness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was tohu vabohu. It was no connectedness, chaos, disorder, all of that. And the spirit, the ruach, the wind, the breath of God hovers over the surface of that chaos. And then, what does the next verse say? Some of you who have heard the story before. This is Bible quiz portion of the sermon. What's that? And God said. Three words. And God said. God speaks by God's word into the chaos, into the disconnectedness, into the fracture, into the exile. And God's word by God's spirit, breath, word, spirit, breath, begins to call forth what? Order, the creation, um, where all things were formless and empty. Suddenly, there, things have form and togetherness and life. And then in a rather poetic way, God says by God's word and by God's spirit, and there was, and it was good, and God said, and there was, and it was good, and God said, and there was, and it was good. And all that we see and know came into existence in this way by what? By God's word, spirit, breath. This is the story of beginnings. 
that into the fracture, into the chaos, into the no connectedness, God speaks and by God's Spirit draws all things together again so that they flourish and it's good. It's God's good creation. This is what we believe about the Word of God that comes and speaks by God's Spirit into the breach, drawing all things together. But you also know the rest of the story, don't you? You know that in the passing of time, what begins to seep into the good togetherness, where the Creator, God, and the creation is in harmony. Pictured in the story of Genesis as a beautiful what? Garden. This beautiful picture of the creation that is sustained and sustaining and flourishing. This kind of symmetry and balance where all things flourish because God is in the midst of the good creation and God is with the creation and God is with the created ones. Adam and Eve themselves created for togetherness with God. But the story says that into the midst of that begins to seep some of the tohu vavohu chaos. Begins to make its way in. Begins to fracture the good creation. And then in that moment, the created ones are expelled outside of that good creation, that good garden in Eden, out of that garden. And life outside of that good garden is like what? They, they, you have to work the ground, don't you? There's thistles and thorns and all of that stuff has to be cleared away and it has to be tended and worked. The picture is different than that picture in the garden. It's, the, it's that the creation doesn't hold together in the same way. And what about the location of the cre good creator God with the created ones in the creation? Where is God now? Where are God's people now? They are separated from God. Exile. And what about the relationship between the created ones? Do you know the first story of human relationship outside of Eden is the story of the offspring of the first created ones? Two brothers, Cain and his brother Abel. And here are Cain and Abel who bring their gifts before God. And here is Cain who reaches out and takes the life of his brother. Who rather than seeing his brother as a source of life to nurture and to receive life from, in that kind of togetherness that God has always desired because it's of the nature of God, instead sees his own brother as a threat to his life, and so steals life from him to protect his own. Do you see what happened? It's exile. It's fracture. It's separation. And it's not only the story of what happened to Cain and Abel, but it's the story of a fractured humanity from that point forward. And that fracture, that exile lives deep within us. You don't have to reach out and choke the life out of another person to steal the life from them. You can steal the life from another person in a myriad way. Myriad way. The words that you say, the actions that you embody, fracture, exile, tohu, vabohu. What I want you to hear this that in the midst of all of that, the Word of God has never ceased go forth to hover over the surface of that. The Word of God has never ceased in the exile to draw God's people back, to rest over the people of God, and in the fullness of time become so tangibly present to them that they stand and weep because they're home again. Yes, but because the restoration of the city is the restoration of their souls and the presence of God in their midst. What I wish for us to know is that in some ways, the exile is all of us. And in some ways, the separation is like a dark abyss that we cannot climb out of. Except the Word of God keeps coming to us, keeps coming towards us, 
keeps flowing towards us, keeps resting over us. Word of God, speak. Would you fall down like rain, washing these eyes to see your majesty? Would you do your work to bring us back out of exile, bring us to each other, so that we stand with the Word of God in our midst and we cry out, Amen, Amen, even as the tears fall. We cry out, Amen. The Word of God, as we experience it, begins to flow forth and draw us up together into tables of fellowship, rich with food and good drink. The Word of God moves us from Scripture to table to the world. The Word of God moves us. So I want to I close by just saying a few things about our journey together. And I mean our journey together. I'm um, so incredibly grateful and thankful. You may have noted this in your um, back of your bulletin there, but I had an opportunity to meet with um, elders of this church and um, spend some time with them. So delighted. I'll be out the next two weeks. I have previous appointments, and then I'll be back in three weeks. And um, I, I think you would call me the permanent guest preacher through the end of the year. So, um, so I want to talk about that. Because we get to share this journey together, and it's a gift. It's about the Word of God. In these gatherings, here's what I hope in our gathering with the Word of God. We will bring with us into this place, every one of us, all that has been exiled, because there's a lot within all of us that's been exiled, separated, fractured, walls torn down, city breached. We'll bring back with us all that has been exiled, that we will make room for all God will lead to gather with us at the water gate. We would pray to that end, God, send into this place all those who acutely know the pain and the sorrow and the disappointment of exile, of fracture. Bring them here to this place from which streams of living water will flow into the city and sustain and give our life so that it will flourish. We will, I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge you now that we will pray to that end, that we are making room for all those ourselves and for all those that God will gather, that we will come in anticipation that God is present by God's Word and up to something, even if we're not sure exactly what, that God is present and that God is up to something. He is rebuilding and renewing and restoring individually and maybe even collectively that we will have a sense that we are gathered around the Word of God and that by Word and Spirit, God is truly here. That doesn't mean He's only here. Let me make that clear. But that by God's Word and by God's Spirit, God is truly present in the midst of it all. All the commotion, all that we bring, all whom God sends, God is truly here. And when He moves toward us like this, I love my brother back here. We will cry out, Amen. And we will bow down, and we will rise up, and perhaps as God calls us forward, we'll move from word to table to world, so filled with the life of God to overflowing that we will bless all those that God places in front of us, that God will stir a movement of restoration and renewal and rebuilding. Oh God, this is our prayer. Be among us and move among us by your word and spirit that we might know your presence and your life, that you might bend every broken place, restore every torn down wall, renew every relationship, draw us deeper into your life, that we might flourish in your good creation. Word of God, speak. Word of God, speak.
we pray in the name of Jesus.